Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I am presenting a series of broadcasts on the subject of prayer, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcast, I was ending with the important idea that God is not the great Santa Claus in the sky, that our God is not the great gumball machine in the sky, that we put in a little of this, a little adoration, a little confession, a little thanksgiving, and after we put in enough towards Him, then we can make our requests and He will respond by giving us whatever our heart desires. That in most cases, people approach their relationship with God in that way. Many people look at their God as the one who is going to provide them with everything they ask, with everything they want. And in most cases, God does not give them whatever they ask for, which will lead us to another subject. But the important thing for this moment is just to understand that your God does not exist for the purpose of giving you whatever you ask him for. That is definitely not why he has established a relationship with you through the new covenant. He has established a relationship with you for the purpose of experiencing a relationship with you. And this relationship is not about him just giving you whatever you ask him for. This relationship is about a person getting to know a person, about you as a person getting to know him as a person, about you growing in your understanding of who he is and how he sees the world that he has created about you growing to understand your purpose in life as a result of your relationship with Him. This is about you receiving His love and acceptance towards you, of experiencing the safety and security of having this personal interactive relationship with your God, about being respected as a person, as a being in the way that God has created you. That's what I really wanted to emphasize at the end of the previous broadcast, is just the reality that your God wants to experience a personal, interactive relationship with you, not just have this relationship of you just asking Him for whatever you want, and then He decides whether He's going to give it to you or not. That is not the focus of why He saved you. That is not the focus of why He created you. And yet this seems to be the focus that is perpetuated, or perpetrated, depending upon how you want to look at it, upon so many people within Christianity today. It is very unfortunate because it completely takes away from several things. It takes away from the personal nature of the relationship that he has made available for you. It takes away from a focus on what he has already given to you. And it takes away from the focus of the reality that he truly wants to give you everything that you truly need for the life that he has for you and that we are not to be preoccupied with trying to obtain these things but to rest and trust and know that he will give whatever we need as we need it when we need it for the purposes that he has for us that is what i was wanting to emphasize at the end of the previous broadcast now at the beginning of the previous broadcast i was talking about the lord's prayer and I was then leading into the subject of formulas or procedures by which we exercise prayers. 
At this time, I'd like to revisit the Lord's Prayer, the earlier verses, just for a moment to address this from another perspective. Consider Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, when the Lord Jesus said, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Okay, there are two references that the Lord Jesus is making in these verses here. One reference is to the hypocrites, and the other reference is to the heathens. The first reference to the hypocrites, he's referring to people who were praying effectively in public for the purpose of being seen by other people. In many cases in Christianity today, this does happen. We do have people in Christianity today who just give public prayers or give prayers in public just with the attitude of everyone can see me and so now I really feel like a holy and righteous person and they can see me as a holy and righteous person. In subtler ways, this happens in prayer meetings or in prayer conferences where people will come together and they come together for the purpose of learning to pray better or praying better or whatever. And what happens often is that people will assemble together and look around and see who is not there. And when they do that, then they can go back to this other person and say, well, you weren't there. You certainly are not as much of a prayer warrior as I am. And these kinds of attitudes can tend to be developed as a result of these things in similar ways as they were happening back in the time era of the Lord Jesus. The Pharisees were the ones that the Lord Jesus was most certainly referring to because they would stop wherever they were, whatever they were doing at a certain time every day, three times a day, they would stop and they would pray. Regardless of where they were, regardless of what they were doing, no matter what, when the time arrived, they would pray. And when they would do this, they would do this in public in a sense with hopes that people would see them and in that way they could be rewarded by God or rewarded from others because of their religious piety. That was the kind of attitude that was expressed back then. And as I was mentioning, this is an attitude that can very easily be expressed today in similar ways. The Lord Jesus mentions the reward in the sense that they would receive some kind of benefit for this, and if they would only do it secretly and privately, then the Lord would reward them openly for their private prayers, as though, look, if you want to be rewarded, then do it privately instead of publicly, because if you do it publicly, then you get your reward and you don't get to experience the real reward that you would get if you would have done it privately. If you would do it privately, then God would exonerate you and say that you were this great prayer warrior or great prayer person. And in that way, you would be properly glorified. I don't think that that is to be the focus that we are to have. There are many people who will look at this with that kind of an attitude. And again, I sincerely believe that that is the wrong attitude. This is not about whether you are going to be rewarded or not. It doesn't matter if you are going to be rewarded or not. That is not the issue. It doesn't matter if you have your prayers answered or not. That doesn't matter. The important thing is, do you know your God? Do you know him? Do you understand him? 
Do you understand and know the things that he wants you to know and understand? Are you walking in response to the truth that he has revealed to you? Are you experiencing the fulfillment in the deepest part of your being as a result of this interactive relationship that you now have with your God? Everybody is concerned with these rewards, with these benefits, with these blessings, and yet they never stop to think about how this is going to transform who they are instead of fulfill what they want or what they desire. This is a whole different focus, and I'm afraid that many people don't even consider this, don't even think about it. With reference to the Pharisees again, they were doing this publicly, and in response to their public displays, or what I often refer to as religious exhibitionism, in response to that, Jesus was effectively saying, look, that is not the issue. That is not important. It doesn't matter how you pray where you pray, when you pray, that's not really going to be the issue. The issue in the end, the bottom line, especially in context with the totality of the Sermon on the Mount, the bottom line is that you need to experience a personal, individual relationship with your God. That's the bottom line. The Lord Jesus goes on, and in chapter 6, verse 7, this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, he refers to the heathens. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. This is a very subtle comment that can easily be missed or easily misunderstood. He may certainly have been referring to the heathens as in those who were not part of Israel. That is certainly possible. That is certainly the case. I don't want to discount that. But this could very easily be applied to the religious people in Israel also. It doesn't necessarily have to be a non-Israelite, but it can very easily be an Israelite. Because the prayers that I was referring to earlier, about three times a day an Israelite would stop or a Pharisee would stop and he would present certain prayers. Well, those prayers were pre-written. Those prayers were pre-approved. Those prayers were predetermined. And I remember this when I was very involved in the synagogue and I was devoted to a life of prayer. I prayed all the prayers that were codified hundreds, some thousands of years ago and ensured that I prayed at the appropriate time and in the appropriate way and using the proper pronunciations and everything. I remember what this was like. And I can remember that it didn't take very long before I memorized these prayers to the extent where I didn't need my prayer book anymore. I memorized the prayers and I prayed them and I did very well in my religious activity. I did very well with that. But what I was doing was praying the same prayer over and over and over and over again. I was praying with vain repetitions. Even though I was not praying in a similar way as many religions do other faiths where they will say the same prayer repeatedly over and over at the same time, I would say the same prayer repeatedly over and over the same day or several times a day. And so however you look at it, it is effectively the same thing. And so I believe that this is a subtle comment that the Lord Jesus was making that's saying that those who are praying before God or praying to God while they believed that they had a relationship with God, especially as they were comparing themselves with other people, even though they believed that, from the Lord Jesus' perspective, they were just as the heathen were, just as a non-Israelite was. You see, just because a person is actively involved in religious activity does not mean that they are experiencing a relationship with God. It does not mean that at all. You can never measure a person's individual relationship with their God by their outward activity. You don't measure things that way. In fact, you don't want to ever measure anybody's relationship regardless. 
That's not the issue. The Lord Jesus was mentioning that if you want to measure things, then we would measure things privately and subtly, and God will make those measurements. That is not our concern. That certainly is not my concern. And I mean that in the sense that, it, look, if you want to pray publicly, if you want to pray in whatever way that you want, if you want to say the same prayer over and over, I am not the one who's going to condemn you over that. I am only stating that there is something better There is something greater. There is something that we were made for that is outside of what these things suggest. That is outside of what these things are promising. That is outside of what these things could ever possibly fulfill. There is something else. The Lord Jesus refers to hypocrites and heathens. The emphasis, of course, in this context is to show that there is no one who can be saved by their own activity, by their own actions. That's the main point. But understand that I prayed this way. I know what this life is like. And I know how empty it is when thinking that by your many prayers, you're eventually going to be heard by God, that by praying repetitively the same time every day, the same way, with the same prayers, I remember what that was like. I remember thinking that I was growing in my relationship with my God in that way, when in reality I was not at all. And in truth, I was growing further and further away from my God, through my religious activity. Absolutely, without question, I would definitely say that right now in comparison with the relationship that I do experience now with my Creator, which is not on the basis of repetitive prayer. But what's very interesting is that many people will then take this prayer and they pray it over and over. The Lord Jesus said, Do not pray like they do over and over, pray in this way, and then we take this prayer and we pray it over and over like the heathen would. That is definitely not what he had in mind. And so some people have attempted to try and circumvent this or adapt from this potential risk of praying the same prayer over and over. And they take this and they say that this is our model for prayer. This is our example for prayer. We use this as a structure, and then we do adaptations. We make changes subtly and slightly in order to ensure that there is enough variation in our prayer so that we're not praying the same thing over and over again. And again, I sincerely believe that this is not really the way to go, that this is not the approach, that this is not what our God wants us to live with. Our God wants to experience us personally. He wants you to speak to him as though he is your best friend. He does not want you to try and identify the procedure. He does not want you to try to identify the formula, the approach, the way, the time. That is not what he wants from you. He wants you. He doesn't want your religious activity. And this is a really hard thing for a lot of people to get past, but he really wants you. I sincerely believe that your God wants you to speak with him as though he was your best friend, because he is your best friend. If you are saved, if you are born again of the Spirit of God, he is your best friend. He is the one that you should speak with the most intimately, the most casually, the most personally, out of the true depths of your being. You often speak with friends that you have about things that are truly burning on your heart, about things that are troubling you, about things that you enjoy. You don't hesitate with them. Why would you hesitate speaking in a similar way to your God? Do you think he's not interested in that? Do you think that he's going to be bothered by that? Do you think that he has better things to do than to sit around and listening to you about all your problems and about all your sufferings and the struggles that you're having? I honestly don't think that. I sincerely believe that he does want you to share these things with him. 
I really do. And one of the most important questions that you could ever ask in the midst of these circumstances, I sincerely believe, and most certainly this is a question that I ask, and that is, Lord God, what do you think about this? What do you see in these circumstances? What can I learn about you? What can I learn about me? What can I learn that you want me to know? What can I understand in the midst of these circumstances? Will you share something with me in order to help me grow closer to you? And then wait, patiently wait. Yes, actually be quiet, close your mouth, close your mind, and listen to what he may reveal to you. And trust me, you'll know, because whatever he shares is definitely going to be something that you never thought of. I can just about guarantee that. This is what I experienced personally, and so that's why I would say such a thing, is that he often will then share something with me in the very depths of my being. I've never heard God speak into my ears, although some people claim that they have, and I certainly don't want to suggest that he has not. But my God speaks to me personally in the depths of my spirit, in the depths of my being. And that is where he shares things with me so that I can grow personally with him, so that I can grow closer with him as a result of the dependency that I have on him and the trust that I have in him, knowing that he does truly have my best interests at heart. And so our pursuits of procedures, our pursuits of standards and protocols, and our pursuits of formulas in order to try to find a way of praying, I think completely takes away from this reality. From an academic point of view, it's very hard to avoid. In most cases, theologians, biblical scholars, people who are considered to be authorities of God, in most cases people are approaching this subject from a very academic point of view which means that they go into the scriptures, normally to start with, and they look for every example of prayer that they can find. And in looking for every example of prayer, they tend to look at all of the circumstances that people do pray, prayers that are recorded in the scriptures, or prayers that are just simply described by mighty men of God or mighty women of God. And we look at these things and we try to assemble them all together to get an overall perspective of prayer. This is an academic exercise of the scriptures, and many people approach this, and in some cases this may be very beneficial. But I sincerely believe that this is not how we should be approaching this subject, because there are too many variations. There are too many different circumstances that contradict themselves. Let me give you an example. We have many situations in the scriptures where someone prayed for something, and they did get whatever they prayed for, and it was good. And it was a wonderful thing, and the results were very good, and the results were definitely beneficial to all who were involved. But there were other times when people prayed and the results were not as good as we would like. For example, King Hezekiah, he was a good king, and it was time for him to pass from this life into the next. And he prayed to God, and he said, God, I just want to live a little bit longer. This was a prayer that God answered. He said, sure, fine, you can live another 15 years. And as a result of him still being here, he brought forth the king Manasseh, his next son. Manasseh was one of the most ruthless and evil kings that Israel ever had. And so when we look at it from that perspective, it would have been better for King Hezekiah to die on time instead of God extending his life a little bit. These are the kinds of issues that tend to come up when we start looking at the scriptures from that perspective. 
when we look at how people prayed and we look at the prayers that they exercised and the prayers that they gave and we see the results thereof, if we assume that we do it the same way, we will get the same results. If we assume that we are similar people to those people who are described in the scriptures and then we get the similar results, if we make those assumptions, then those are some really big assumptions. Those are some really big assumptions. And when God doesn't provide us with what we were expecting him to provide us with, what are we going to think then? What are the kinds of excuses, what are the kinds of answers that we are going to give in response to the differences of what we experience now as opposed to what was experienced then? And so I believe that we should not approach the scriptures in that manner, that we should not look at all the examples of prayer and do this massive inventory of all the examples and scriptures of prayer and then somehow try to find a way to bring a doctrine together as a result of our complete exploration of the subject in the scriptures. I do not think that it should be approached that way just because of the numerous contradictions that would result, the numerous conflicts in the passages, in the circumstances that would result, and we would not be able to come to a really good, solid conclusion without excluding some things. That's what it will come down to. And in most cases, a lot of teachings and a lot of doctrines that are built from this perspective do exclude a lot. They have to in order to justify their position in most cases. So that's what happens. People will come to me quite often and they will say, well, there is this example in the scriptures about this person praying and this was the result and this is the kind of person they were and this is what they asked for. And so why should I think any differently? Why is it that I am not experiencing the same thing that they were experiencing? What is going wrong? And then I just simply point out, well, there is an example over here that is very different. There is an example that seems to contradict what it is that you are trying to frame, the picture that you're trying to create in effect, the conclusion that you're trying to draw. And so there's a lot of that. I honestly do not believe that we should approach the scriptures that way. And the main reason why is because we have a dynamic God. We have a God who is an active participant in our daily lives. And sometimes he chooses one thing, and sometimes he chooses something else. And with some people he does one thing, and with other people he does something different. We have an active participant, an actual person, who decides what he's going to do, when he wants to do it, and there is no formula, there is no approach, there is no standard, there is nothing of this sort, there is nothing that even exists. You have a person who makes choices, who makes decisions, who decides when he's going to intervene, who decides when he's not going to intervene, and don't you dare assume that your God has to respond to you just because you ask him to. Don't assume that. Your God is a person just like any other person, and if he wants to respond to you, he will. And if he doesn't want to respond to you, he probably won't. And don't assume that just because you ask him for something that you're going to get it. That is not real. That is not real at all. There are many passages that obviously need to be addressed when I say such things, but I just want to give you at least the overall picture to understand that your God is actively participating. And given this subject that I'm referring to right now, I would strongly encourage you to go ahead and look into the scriptures and do a search on all the examples of prayer, and you will see differences. You will see distinct differences. And as you see those, 
please just understand that that is an example of the active participation of your God. That he does not do things one way and that is the only way that he does things. He is dynamically involved in people's lives and today he is dynamically involved in your life. He is involved in my life. He is involved in many people's lives. And when I pray and ask my God for things, he may say no. And yet you may pray and ask him for the exact same things and he may say yes. That is not the issue. The issue is to just simply understand that you have a dynamic God, one who is participating daily and personally in our lives and trust him, trust your God, rely on him and believe that he truly does have your best interest at heart and understand that he definitely wants the best for you there is no question about that whatsoever he wants you to ask him for things he wants you to acknowledge that he exists he definitely wants that but he's not going to always give you what you want that's not always going to happen and you must trust him and believe that he will make the right decisions in those circumstances as to whether or not he truly will intervene Trust in him and rest in the truth that he truly is trustworthy. And so understand that I'm not going to be able to successfully present the subject of prayer from the idea of proof texting or from the idea of an academic exercise of doing an exhaustive search on all the individual passages in the scriptures about prayer because our God is a living God. He is actively involved. He is actively participating. And just because he did one thing one way one time doesn't mean that he's going to do it the same way in this time. This is a living experience with a living God. There is no way that I'm going to be able to present the subject in the context of, well, he did it this way in the past, and so he'll do it this way in the future. That is a good academic conclusion, and I don't want to suggest that that is completely useless. I only want to present to you the importance of understanding that you have an active God, an active participant. That is the most important thing. Therefore, I will have to approach this subject from considering individual passages. Now, this would be an incredibly long series to try and address every single passage that so many people are using in order to try to assert their individual position about the subject of prayer. And so it will be necessary for me to just pick a few that I think are very common and then address them individually and so we can get a better overall picture of the subject of prayer as I believe our God would want us to see it. And I will continue with this subject in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you.